0: She would hide in the dog crate and we put a little this blanket over so you couldn't see in there because she didn't believe me. She was like, they just blow you and then they leave and they say thank you. I'm like, I swear that's what they do. So she would hide in the crate and watch it. This is back to your story.
1: All right. How's it going, man? Casual. I I like that answer. I uh, I really want to first say thank you so much for coming on the show, bro. You Thanks know for having me. Um, you know when I reached out to you a little while ago uh, and set everything up, you were really accommodating. And and once again, I will apologize about the bullshit with the lift today. It's
0: ridiculous. Yeah, it, it definitely would do that again.
1: <laughs> the dude actually ended I up. I was just trying to get out,
0: getting out of driving my wife's car. I fucking crashed my car the other day. Not having good luck with cars. What happened? Man, I'm gonna tell the whole truth, but I fucking I got a nice car, like a fast car, but it's a stick. And somebody was uh, turning onto the freeway, and I guess they stalled, or I don't know, something stupid. Where I was like, "Get the fuck out of here!" And I went to go around them, and I had traction control off, and it hit one of those little steel the vent things or whatever, and just span out. And I had something in my hand. I'm not going to say what, but I tried <laughs> to reach for the steering wheel and I, it didn't get it. And I'm like, oh my God. And I break. It's too late. Fucking my front, uh, my front right hit the fucking curb. And it was right when I was getting on the freeway and, I, and it flattened the tire and broke, like broke shit, broke stuff. No. And I had to drive it on the next to the next ramp and get off. I was downtown and I, Parked at the central station or whatever, downtown, and it's just fully shitty there and broke my fucking baby. I love my car so Damn. much. And then tow trucks wouldn't come. They kept canceling because of what the what area I was in or whatever. So five hours pass and my wife gets me a tow truck from another company and then they pick me up, drop the car for BMW, get in the house. They call AAA because I got AAA. Yeah. They called seven hours later. They go, jason else i'm like yeah and they're like hey man i'm here to pick up your car i'm like dude i called you at eight it's fucking three forty-five. he's like yeah man super sorry it's sketchy out here and i was like yeah i i left he's like okay well get some rest and i just i was like yep and then uh so now i've got my wife's car subaru nice car got discounted because i'm friends with bucky lassic shout out to bucky lassic yeah. i love that car for her yeah but she's little. She's a hundred pounds and I'm two hundred. And <laughs> I can't when you get out, you have to it's fucking embarrassing. I feel like <laughs> I'm doing an Indie air every time I get out of a car.
1: Yeah, my mom has one of those types of cars and I totally get it, bro. Uh, I always feel kinda like so scrunched in that shit. Yeah. You know, being a, like six foot two, I'm I'm only like one seventy, but Yeah, still. I don't know
0: what that a car's not for like
1: no, not, Full at size person. not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Can you actually move the mic just a little bit closer? Okay. There we go. Dope. So, you know, back to your story is all about the individual story, like who they are, where they came from, what they're all about. And, you know, I know you've told this a whole bunch of times, but, you know, for the sake of my listeners, um, kind of just like a brief introduction, like, you know, who you are and where your story originally started.
0: Hmm. Uh, Melbourne, Australia. That's where I was born. And... Uh, skateboarding is my thing. I got into skateboarding and, um, you know, obviously when you get good at skateboarding, you find out that uh, this is in the 80s. So at first I think I heard about a guy named Tony Hawk, but we didn't have the magazine because the only shop we had was a, a water ski shop and the water ski shop had a skate section in the back. And there was a guy that worked there that would say something about... I remember uh, Tony Hawk doing an airwalk, and I'm like, nah, that's impossible. And then the magazine came, and I was like, whoa, it's real. These people are real. So I always wanted to go to America my whole life. And then I think seven years of skateboarding or something and trying to be cool. And then finally I came to America when I was 17, right when I turned 17. And then it was, you know, uh, uh, every year you go. But it was different back then. You could get a visa, a holiday visa for six months. Yeah. So six months in America, then six months back to work, save the money, go back. And it was just like uh, couch surfing. I lived at Lance Mountain's house for a really long time. Like He just let me live there. He actually told the story at my 50th birthday where he didn't actually uh, say that I could stay there that long. I just stayed there. And I, I was like, oh, that's not how I remember And He's like, that's how it was. I, mean, I believe you. So, yeah, he let me, you know, he's, a, he's one of the first people to ever be so kind. And, to, and then when somebody like that is so kind to you and you've looked up to somebody like that your whole life, you think that maybe you could be one of them. Like, yeah. I think he was the first person to make me think that maybe I could do what he obviously not at his level, but be a professional skateboarder for a period of time. So it was that for a long time. Um you know then I successfully became a professional skateboarder and lived the life for maybe 15 20 years. Then uh you know drugs, alcohol, injuries started to slow me down, wasn't doing as well and managed to transition into doing some announcing for ESPN. So all of a sudden I was you know, using microphones and talking and then that went to uh, Tony Hawk had a radio show offered to him at Sirius XM Satellite Radio, and said, "Asked me if I wanted to be the co-host," and also told Sirius XM that this is before I've done any radio. Yeah. Told them that he thinks uh, that I would be a great radio host, <laughs> and that they should hire. Me. Like the fucking dude, I had no idea about this. So he he paid for, he got money to pay me from Sirius, and paid me for a few years. Then Sirius offered me a job to move up to los angeles and be a dj and i really put a lot of work into being a dj to try and get my own show to try and get uh enough fans to convince the higher-ups to let me have a talk show that was the the goal and then it happened and the show was like really big like one of the bigger shows on sirius xm and you know i was making ridiculous amounts of money and (laughs) Being a radio guy, and then the COVID came, and they uh, they dropped me, and I became a podcaster, and I got into stand up comedy, uh, and that's where I sit right now. I'm a podcaster, and you know you do the Patreon and all that stuff, trying to survive. So I have the Jason L show and Hawk versus Wolf with Tony Hawk, which is pretty funny because before I did the Jason L show, I was on a show with Tony Hawk, and now it's in the same room. That it was when it was on Sirius XM. So we're back. Damn. So 20 years later or some ridiculous shit like that, we're back and we're doing a show together as two old men that love skateboarding and don't mind talking into a microphone. It's pretty fucking cool.
1: Could you have ever imagined, man, when you were a kid growing up in the 80s that this board with wheels would take you on this fucking incredible journey?
0: Yeah. Well... Like I said, Lance Mountain was the first person to m- make me realize a, de- a destination in my life. Like I wanted to be a professional skateboarder. and I wanted to travel the world with all my skateboard friends like Lance Mountain. Yeah. And I'm happy that I didn't have any further goals than that because it would have been very stressed because it would have been a, a, a good, you know, it would show that in the end you, you can't skate forever and you're going to be, you know, uh, broke because you don't have a career. 100%. So I just kept thinking about just being a skateboarder and that's what I got. So I lived uh, my dream for sure. You know, and to be with all those guys and have the respect of my idols. There is you know, still there's nothing nothing cooler than that. So
1: no, I I totally respect time. that. Do you think that goals limit people because a lot of times people uh will write these goals. Like uh, every single year New Year's time they write these goals down. And sometimes they're not achievable or sometimes they are achievable. Um, But there is something to say that shooting for all these goals, writing them down instead of just doing and living and following whatever the fuck makes you happy seems to be a better course. Or you get stuck on these, like, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. And if I don't do this, I'm stuck in all these boxes.
0: Hmm. I mean, it works different for different people. Yeah. I don't think writing down things hurts i think if you write down the same thing every year you got to start to realize that you (laughs) didn't accomplish that thing that you keep writing down
1: absolutely i think
0: you know having affirmations and writing things down and just being passionate you know that's really the only way to be good at anything if you think you want to be good of it good at it because it's going to make you money it's not enough to depending on what it is but it's not enough to get you there yeah you need to love it you know, and if yeah. you love it and you can't stop thinking about it, and you do it over and over again, you know, you got to be possessed by it. Absolutely, and whatever it is, if that is the case, it's a good chance you'll uh, you'll excel.
1: A hundred percent. What for you? You know, growing up in the skateboard skateboard culture, uh, what was it that really drew you to skateboarding in the first place? Like, you know, for me, it was you know, the people that I surrounded myself with and, you know, watching Chad Muska and Eric Costin and, you know, all, all of these fucking legends, um, the, the magazines and Thrasher and all that stuff that, that really drew me into, you know, the amazing sport of skateboarding. Um, for you, what was it?
0: Uh, man, I don't know about anything like just one thing. I mean, I would I was always kind of by myself. Felt like I was by myself and skateboarding was something you could do by yourself. I don't know what happened, man. Something about it just took over. I don't I don't I don't really have much of a brain when I was a kid. I think all the things that had happened to me as a child I had like uh buried so they didn't even exist to me. So I think cutting that out of my memory kind of cut a lot of things out of my memory. I just didn't think about too much except getting the fuck out of here. That was a big one. I didn't like where I was from. I felt like I always felt like there was something else out there that I was going to do. I didn't know what it was. And then when skateboarding, when I found skateboarding, I knew what it was. Like when I look at the youth today and I have kids, you know, like, I knew exactly what I wanted at a very young age, probably wow. by 16. I think it was, there was no fucking way anybody was going to talk me out of it. And when I was thinking about it, no one had done it. Like in Australia, there was not a pro skateboarder. And I was like, I'm going to be a pro skateboarder. And my parents didn't believe that to be an actual job. Cause there was no video. There wasn't, it's not like now, like you couldn't say, well, I'm going to be like the other 500 people that have done it before me. I didn't, If you said Tony Hawk back then, that didn't mean anything. My parents were like, who the fuck is Tony Hawk? (laughs) I, I don't believe that anyone, like surely he has a job and he skateboards. And I'm like, no, this is their job. So it was more, you know, Animal Chin, you know, that video where, you know, the life just looks so fucking awesome and was just reassuring me that this was the right choice. And I wasn't even talented either. I, I but I just knew I was gonna, I was gonna make it. Maybe you know, maybe it wasn't so much to be the best because I used to think that that's what I was in it for. But I think I just wanted to be a pro skateboarder, or in worst case scenario, be a skateboarder and hang out with the pros in America. Yeah, I didn't have like big. I'm gonna be a million. Like I didn't know about money. I didn't care about money. I only cared about. Skateboarding. So if I got to America, I'd already won. Like I wasn't about coming to America and showing the pros what we you know what's up. I think there was a couple of years there because I would go <laughs> to America, come back, and then go again. And obviously, I when I come back to Australia, I was a thousand times better than anybody in Australia. So that was an ego booster for sure. And then I want to go back. You know, with these guys that are over there with all the best and be better again. So they're like, oh shit, Ellis learned this shit or that shit. And so it was just more of a that's what everybody was doing in skateboarding. So that's what I like uh I took from it was uh get better. You know? Absolutely.
1: Push it. I mean that's a good model for life, right? And 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 for you, uh it just seems that you're very dedicated, right? You're you're very focused on this one thing. And you don't give a fuck what it is, but you're going to do anything possible to make that happen. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I definitely respect that. That'll do it. <laughs> Check. Um, do you remember the first time that you came to the States? And like, fuck yeah. What I was remember, that? I'll never forget it. What was that? Whole, how did that even come it about? It the trippiest shit ever. Well, uh,
0: a f- friend of mine, Gary Valentine, who was the uh, only other Australian uh, that had been to America... and had befriended Lance mountain and that's how we got that hookup. I found, I thought Gary had talked to Lance mountain before we went there, but it turns out according to Lance mountain at my 50th birthday. So recently we just knocked on his door and he was like, Oh, and Gary was like, Oh mate, remember you said I could stay at your house. Here we are. (laughs) I'm here with me, mate, Jason. And he was like, Oh, okay. So it wasn't, it was more of a barge that I thought we were invited to. But like I said, they just, you know, he let me stay there until his wife was absolutely fed up with us living there. And they were like, you got to go. And and then I met Ben Schroeder and lived at his house. I really just became a child of whatever house they let me live in. And when you're that young, you don't even know, like, uh, if you're being inappropriate by existing there, yeah. you know, I was just like, what's, what's for breakfast, you know? And they're <laughs> like, who the fuck is this Australian dude? Yeah.
1: So, uh, how did you, ignorance uh, is <laughs> it is, it really is. How did you, um, like convince your, your, your family to allow you to, to, you know, at what, they wanted me out of there. They did. Yeah. They did. Yeah. Um, After coming to America the first time for, you said, for six months, right? Yeah. Um, What was it like having to come home?
0: Um, Well, I grew six inches. My hair grew real long. I got a tan because I was in California. So a lot of it was just fucking chicks when I got back. And I was the best skateboarder in Australia. So I just rode that. Yeah, I went back for six months and... Acted like a shitty rock star in my little town, and and uh, whatever chicks that were cute, they definitely wanted me, and that was you know it was like a mini, inny, teeny weeny Conor McGregor. There we go. Yeah. So I walk around, fucking <laughs> hey, motherfuckers, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was it was a great time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and I was. That's the thing. I was connected to. You know, I'm a shithead, so my friends. In Australia were shitheads we used to have a party called the loser party I love that shitty tattoos you know bad choices grunge was our thing so a lot of Alice in Chains and heroin a lot of people were on heroin I saw people shoot up and that deterred me from doing that for a while um but yeah just lots of drugs and sex and rock and roll and and then you know every now and then I'd come back and everyone would be like look at Jason you know he's one of the best skateboarders in the world now and he gets paid to ride a skateboard, you kind of shouldn't even be here. You're not really that much of a loser, but I'm like at heart, yes. you know, I'm a loser. And they're like, yeah, fuck yeah, you are. Let's so, go. Let's go. Yeah. So that was, that was a, that was a, I didn't cut those ties until many, what uh, many years past where I should have cut those
1: ties. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you go to, you go to California, you spend six months, you go home how long was it until you were able to come back? Six months, so six months, so six months goes by, then you come yeah,
0: back. Was, my dad let me work at his shop terribly, so I had a cheat, okay you know, not a lot of people had that option, yeah, definitely to save up it was like I think it was about sixteen hundred for a ticket, okay, and then uh I would lie uh in customs to say say (laughs) because you have to have a thousand dollars a month and i was like oh yeah i got tons of money in the bank i didn't have any money at all
1: wait a minute you need to have a thousand dollars a month to prove
0: if you're going to if they're like oh you're coming to america and you're gonna with the six-month holiday visa yeah you obviously have at least six thousand dollars in your bank account if you think you're gonna live here because you ain't getting a fucking job yeah and i was like of course i'm not getting a job but I was totally trying to get a job.
1: Yeah, you definitely were, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, I got caught in the end. On the fourth time, I went to Vancouver and when I was coming back through, they were like, "What the fuck are you? How do you that- just you just come to America every every year for 6 months? What job do you have, little yeah. boy?" You know? Yeah. And I was like, "Yeah." And then I was like, "Go to the" He's like, "You got the money?" I was like, "Yeah, I got the money." And it was you know, back before you could just show it on a phone or something. He's like, oh, I was like, I'll go to the to the ATM and get a bank statement. He's like, cool. And I uh, left the airport and got a taxi back to the city and called Moses. Because I befriended the Red Dragons. Holy shit. And they came and got me. And I lived in Vancouver for six months until Colin recommended that I get on PAL skateboards. Got on the Bones Brigade. They got me an athlete visa, and that's when I became legal on the fourth time that I came to America.
1: Holy shit! What what, you know, getting signed because that was like your first big deal. Um, well, it wasn't a big deal. It was
0: a it was a big deal to me, and I was too young to realize the security that I just signed. Yeah, it didn't. I was like, yeah. I think it was like two grand a month, which was the most I'd ever got paid at that point because I was on Element before that, and I think they were. I think it was 600 and they gave me a raise to 700 So, you know, I was still couch surfing with that kind of check. But then, you know, the Red Dragons let me live in the their ramp. I had a room at the ramp. Then when I signed to PAL, they started paying me enough to get my own apartment. So I had my own apartment, and I'm skating with the boys and putting in work, filming stuff for 411, shit like that. It was a great time in
1: my life. It definitely but was. I don't think I was... It could have been far more serious. Do you think that held you back during that time? I mean, how, yeah. how old were you?
0: Twenties. <clears throat> yeah, I I just always been that guy. Doesn't. I've got this crazy drive to be the best, but I'm uh, I'm an addict, you know. And there's only so many days I can go without not getting high. So <laughs> yeah, and I think if I had have like really strived and done a few a uh, few things that I didn't do maybe place better got some more money i would have killed myself because if you had given me you know a 100 grand a year or you know 200 grand a year i uh, would have i only bought as much coke as i could afford yeah and you you go harvey's in a gram you know maybe if you've got enough money get your own gram yeah you can't i couldn't afford an eight ball and i would have totally got an eight ball if i had the money
1: you'd have blew your whole entire check on that you know there's there's really something to say about that right you know especially being so young to make that type of money um you can definitely find yourself in in some some pretty fuck places especially if you don't have like any mentors or anyone you know helping guide guide you through that
0: experience yeah my mentors were potty
1: yeah yeah you know so when you first signed um to powell and you got you what, what what did you say it was uh what type of visa uh athlete visa and what is p1 visa? okay and so what does that mean
0: um you can get paid um you can live there for is that, i think it's 6 years yeah 6 years you can live in america and and get paid
1: okay and so that's exactly what you did you moved to california
0: uh yep yep Encinitas
1: all right all right and you know during that time what else were you doing just skateboarding Mm -hmm. yeah i what else yep that's it your drive to you know continually push and focus on this what was that breaking point you know you were you were skating for so you know 15 20 years did you hurt yourself did you Mm. what exactly happened
0: yeah i started well i got to a Level where um, I just had a few tricks that I was trying to make in a contest that I hadn't made, and I'd kind of hit a breaking point because I wasn't putting in the extra time, but uh, there was a few tricks that I had that were I, – I did them real big. So if they went wrong, you were getting checked. So I got knocked out a couple times in a row, woke up with something broken, you know, go to hospital, get surgeries. And then I think just, I don't know how many it was, but might've been, I did a couple of real stupid things. I fucking crashed a motorcycle, dirt bike twice and was out for six months because I tried to do the same jump three months later and crashed (laughs) again and broke it the same way. But I think I I got scared. I think I started to not enjoy... Being in a contest because I knew that if I made one trick that it went into another trick that I hadn't made yet, and so far I was uh, I was eating shit on that trick, but I wasn't going to not do it. I yeah. wasn't going to not try it. Never was a strategy guy.
1: Okay, you know, yeah. I
0: just thought if you make that, that's going to be so sick, and that's as far as my train of thought went. I didn't go well, maybe. You know, I have a safety ride that would get me in the finals, which was so shit because I'm so trying to be safe to make it to the finals. And then there was no in between. It was like I make it to the final. <laughs> and then I'm like, that's it. Kick flipping twist, you know, or bust. And it was just a bust every time.
1: How do you when you're when you're like training for these competitions, like do you plan out your entire ride? Like, like yeah. you're going to do this, this and this. Yeah. And like every single time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but then the but then the in the finals it would be you're just gonna do that trick you haven't done.
1: So you don't even practice for it. You just try you
0: can't. I mean the way I was trying kickflip five forty was I would i c I'm completely upside down and the board flips into my hand and I'm just in a Jesus Christ pose upside down. And then I would <laughs> fucking front flip in and throw it down between my legs and it was just eating shit. I broke my wrist real bad, like, dislocated it, fucked the the hell out of it, got knocked out, woke up, fucking ambulance, had to get, like, a special surgeon. My hands, like, never really worked the right way, the same way again. You know, just kept happening, just things like that kept, had broke both my elbows, fucking ruptured my spleen or whatever, and separated my shoulder. And then I did, I broke both my elbows again, three months later. Holy shit. And got lacerated kidneys. And it was just like painkillers made me angry because I was doing them so much in a year. And I was never a, a junkie for painkillers. Like, I'll do them, but I never was, I never tried to get heroin after it or anything. But it was the monotony of going to hospital. Yeah. That I was scared of. Like, I was sick of it, but it was like a fear sickness. Like, where I was like, I'm not going on the fucking emergency room again. Like I had my little PSP because I was in my car all the time because I would always go to the fucking emergency room, and you, they make you line, they make you sit there for a long time. So I would have the, I would play the little moto yeah, game. I remember until those. they'd fucking see me because I was so used to going, and it got, I got sick of it. And then you know, I, I think Mega Ramp came right after that, and I was already pretty washed up. But I don't, I've always wanted to go really big and really fast. And I'm friends with Danny, and I'm on the DC team for being, a, you know, like a, a court jester, if you will. <laughs> and you know, Danny's like, "I don't want anyone else coming in the ramp." And I'm like, "I would love to go." And all of a sudden, I'm kind of back in it without really, you know, I had a radio show already. I didn't practice as much. And mega ramp, you can't fuck around with that. No. And I was fucking around with it. And I got hurt there. That was probably the end of it. I tried to, I did an Indy 360 between the leg over the gap. And I'd spun a couple of Indy fives. And when I do Indy fives, I front flip them. And as soon as I took off, I went over the deck. So when I grabbed the Indy, I knew I was over the deck and I kicked my board away and I fell 16 foot and landed on my hip on the coping. It's so hard that it, it, took a piece of meat out of my leg and there's still to this day is a donut where you can put your finger in the hole and touch the bone. Wait, what? Yeah. To this day? Yeah. Yep. Like from the outside? You it's can- like a dimple. If you push on the dimple, you can feel my bone through it because I hit so hard that the meat just fucking bounced. Holy shit, dude. And then after I hit my hip, then I fucking front flipped to the flat because it ain't over that... Fucking quarter pipe <laughs> is, is twenty foot high, so then I did a front flip into the onto the flat land on my back, and just the feeling of uh, it wasn't the pain. It was the when I went to grab my board and I knew that I was over the deck on a sixteen foot Indy five forty. It was you know really scary. You know I was like, "You're gonna die!" You know, yeah. and paddling and wiggling, and then I hit the coping and bounced off, and I think. My age, the job that I had—you know, where I was like, "You've got a kid now," you know, this radio career could actually be something. And you're gonna kill yourself on this fucking ramp. I think that was the day where I realized that you don't have it anymore. Was
1: that a, was that a hard pill to swallow?
0: Fuck yeah, I didn't. I would. I probably didn't admit it for another twenty years. How old were you?
1: Thirties.
0: You know, by the time I was in Mega Ramp, I was, according to me, I was washed up. You know, like they had me in there because there was only ten people in the world that could jump it, so I made it in the final, dude. But people could jump it; they just never. You know, at the when it first came out, it was pretty scary.
1: I mean, just from the outset, it's fucking terrifying. Like, what even goes yeah. through your mind? Like being don't an individual die. that that's it don't die yeah first couple times at least yeah just even regular jumping it no tricks no nothing just jumping jump. the
0: gaps not a big deal jumping the gaps <laughs> nothing it's the quarter pipe that's the difference why because there's fucking g-forces in the quarter pipe and if you squat into the quarter pipe it'll shoot you out like jake brown
1: Holy
0: and shit. i don't think anybody else could live from that slam i think jake brown's and short little compact nugget that could survive it. I think someone else might have died. Has any, he looked like he died.
1: Has anyone Has anyone died from it?
0: <clears throat> no. No, because we're all, you know, if you're going there, you're, you're pretty good. And if you're going to hit the quarter pipe with a lot of speed, you're also very good because that means you jump the gap pretty easily. And, you know, it works out, man. You know, I think maybe the only person I know that tried to hit the quarter pipe that doesn't have the ability to do a head-eye aerial, is Pat Duffy and he snapped his femur because if you don't know how to do eight foot backs on a normal vert ramp and you hit that quarter pipe, you're dead. It's the end of it.
1: How do you train for something like that? Is there, <laughs> do, do they have one set you up somewhere? Pull the tampon out. That's <laughs> no, but for real, like, do they, it, like do you, get, do you get to practice?
0: <laughs> you don't get, how do you get to practice? I don't know. I'm asking. You can roll in from the, 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 the landing on the, on the gap. And that you end up going about coping level, That's so it. you can feel the transition a little bit. Yeah, but when you know you're probably doing about ten mile an hour, and when you go over the gap, you're doing about forty five. Fucking hell! And it's just not the same. No. There's no. You just got to be ready. You got to have your vert legs on, and you've got to have, you know, some faith. You got to have some confidence because if you flinch on that thing, you're dead. One hundred percent. So it's just more of a, uh, you know, meant a mindset. You go down that roll in, you've got to be serious. And I feel like if you're, you know, top ten, top twenty in the world on vert, you're aware of of being serious. Yeah. So it's not that dangerous. But when you first start trying it, like I did it in Mexico City, where the altitude is different, so over the little gap, the first backside I did on the quarter pipe was twenty foot high. I've never done a twenty foot. Uh, back the day before i didn't know that when you go past about 16 feet you lose um i can't tell where i'm gonna land until i'm on my way on my way back in so there's like a it feels like a way longer than a second but it's probably like half a second but you go poof and as soon as you, you go whoop into the end you go like fuck i don't know i don't know and then on the way back in you're like oh yeah okay we're in a good spot we're gonna we're gonna live But there's at least a second there where you're like, I could be over. I could be Jake Brown right now. I can't tell. That is also not that pleasurable.
1: And that's every single time.
0: If for that that contest, yes. Every single time I did that fucking Method Air, it took me two days to land it because I just kept getting spooked at the top of it where I would just throw my board and be like, I'm fucking dead. And then I'm on the way back and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to land in the transition. You know, Holy shit. Man. And even that hurts. Yeah. Like if you land
1: a little too far out, it doesn't look like much, but it is. It definitely looks like a lot. I mean, no. you guys, the way you guys fall, uh, there's it definitely, a, there's definitely an art to it for yeah. sure. Uh, but it, it, And it, I was
0: already old oof. and beat up. So all those falls, they were, you know, they really hurt. I was in ice boxes every night you know, like up to my up to my knees trying to ice everything because it was just so damaged that it was hard to walk the next day yeah it was it, like I said it was it became um it hard so hard that there was not a lot of uh pleasure in it anymore yeah uh-huh. you know, to me doing a 360 over the gap and then doing a giant method air nothing's been greater feeling wise in skateboarding in my life you cannot match that 20-foot backs of the air, you feel like you're flying. Yeah. And that was worth it. But then it got to the point where, you know, everyone's doing fives and sevens over the big gap. And I was like, you're not good enough. And I've, I already spent a couple of years being washed up, still trying to be in a contest. It's not what I came to do, you know. Absolutely. I, lo- I love it. But if I'm going to be dog shit in the contest, I'd rather go home
1: or be an announcer. <laughs> Hey, it seemed to work out. Um, what was that day like when you you put up the flag, put up the skateboard? What do you mean when you announced your retirement? When you? Oh, I never not announced, but announced to yourself. Like I'm done. I'm fucking done. No more contests. No more nothing. That's it.
0: Um, I mean, I can't. It wasn't that significant to remember it. Like it was already. I, I pushed it way past that, you know, like I was in contest when I already knew I was washed up. Yeah. So I think I probably, I think I realized when I took the job at serious and moved to LA that I knew you're not going to skate every day. And if you don't skate every day, you're already
1: not that great. So it's over. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you're in your, you're in your thirties, right? You're, you're, definitely hurt did you have like any uh like methods for recovery because like all the bones (laughs) you're right i just didn't do any of that stuff when i was younger no how how do you feel today 50 years
0: old well now i i've tended to a lot of the injuries i've had surgeries and i've had stem cells twice um i do cryo and you know acupuncture i do a lot of stuff to to fix all the injuries, to to still do stuff because at one point it got so bad that I couldn't train anymore because I started get, I got into MMA and then my knees got so bad I couldn't do jiu-jitsu jiu- and then couldn't wrestle and then my ligaments got so loose that I couldn't kick anymore or get kicked, so then I just became a boxer. And then uh, Chuck Liddell told me about stem cells in Colombia and I went and got stem cells and I put my legs back together so now I can... Do all that stuff. I just don't go as hard because I know what it's like to lose it, and I don't want to lose it again.
1: Uh, dude, so talk to me about that experience, you know, going to get stem cells because I'm actually going to be going in the springtime. Oh, yeah? yeah. You go on a bio accelerator? Um, That or the Stem Cell Institute. Uh, okay. I, can you text Alyssa and ask her to turn off the heater? Thank you. Yeah, it's um, hot in here. Yeah, yeah, uh, ask her to turn on the AC, or I, I could do that. It's hot. You're hot? Yeah. Let's do that real quick. Sorry, I'm not trying to be a jerk right you now. Don't need, you don't need me to test her anymore? No, nah, I'm just going to turn it on. Just tell her that I'm turning on the AC and to t- turn on the heater in her room. Here we go. Give me one second. Boom, boom, boom. Give it a second. All right. It'll turn on in a second. Um. Okay, so I'm looking to go to uh, the Stem Cell Institute or Bio Accelerator because mm-hmm. I suffer from multiple sclerosis. Oh, wait, uh, what's that? Um, so it's a. You want to pull this up? You can pull it up right now. Um, it's a. It's a neurological disease that uh, affects my entire body. So the the myelin sheath on my brain. You what you can see is like these white dead spots. That's causing different parts of my body so joint issues um uh brain based issues every every part of my body is like firing off on different cylinders whoa um so for a while i thought that That's I was bad it is bad it's it's really fucked up here we go uh, let me i'll read it to you right now um so ms is a resulting nerve damage so it's a disease in which the immune system eats away at the protective covering of nerves NMS resulting nerve damage disrupts communication between the brain and the body. Multiple sclerosis causes many different symptoms, including vision loss, pain, fatigue, impaired coordination. The symptoms. Do you uh, have that? I do. I do. You can't see. Uh, well, sometimes my eyes get a little blurry. Uh, but but mainly and stem
0: cell fixes
1: that. So yeah, there's there's huge huge studies out there right now. Um, I'm taking more of a of a holistic approach because a lot of the medications out there um they're called it's called disease modifying therapy and a lot of people that get on it have a lot of adverse side effects Uh. like my wife uh she has a friend that just got on one of the therapies and uh within a week she was disabled uh crazy man and within five to ten years it'll cause another autoimmune disorder where stem cells from multiple sclerosis have all the benefit with very, very little uh, downside to it, uh. as you already know, right? Um and and they're starting to find that stem cells, especially the ones that they do, like at BioAccelerator or the Stem Cell Institute, uh, have a very high success rate mm. that can um bring down <laughs> the pain, bring down the severity of everything someone that has MS for a year to three years. It's fucking crazy, man. Yeah. Um and so I'm I'm in the middle of looking into that and what's Really? Yeah, I highly recommend it. It what, changed my life. So what was that experience like? You go to bioaccelerator. It, was, awesome. it how, was fucking awesome. How how does the whole process start? Yeah.
0: Um uh they they reach out to me and then they said get MRIs on your injuries and send it to us. And, you know, because of the people I know or or uh whatever my name is there, they're like, uh you just have to pay for the airfare. Oh my That's gosh. it. No, I don't have to pay for the stem cells. So both ankles, both knees, and my shoulder. My shoulder was my biggest concern because at the time I'd already faced that I wasn't going to use my legs the way that I used to. I hadn't been able to run for years. wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, when I got into MMA, I was like, oh, man, running is like pretty important. I wish I had ankles again. And then... When I got these stem cells, they fucking did. I fucking run on the beach, man. Dude. Fucking 10 years after they were fucked. So they were fucked and then I just wrote it out. I've always had puffy ankles because I've shredded them so much. And then I got stem cells and then I could run. So I ran and then I hurt them again because I fixed everything. So then I tore my ACL and I ripped my MCL off. So then I had to get a cadaver uh, MCL replacement. And so then I went back to get him shot up again. And my shoulder was hurting without doing anything. And that was the one that was worrying me the most. And it was also the thing that tells you when you get older, that's what's going to happen to uh, athletes like us. Like if you've had a lot of injuries, you know, you think you're old because you're you know too old to be pro, but. You don't realize that, you know, when you get to 70 and shit, because I just never thought I'd make it to that. I still don't. But you're going to be in a lot of pain. Yeah. And I don't want to be on painkillers. I want to be coherent. Yeah. So stem cells was the last hope. I remember when they told me that they could fix it. And I started crying a little bit, like in, in, in happy tears, you know, because I was like, there's no way this is real. Yeah. You know, like this person's telling me that, I can play again, like, full speed. It was just... And I thought it was over. So, yeah, and, and BioAccelerator is the shit. They're fucking awesome. So, yeah, the needle... I didn't know because I don't do research. <laughs> Chuck Liddell says it's cool. It's cool. And then I go, okay, so ready to get shot up. And I'm like, what's the anesthesia? And they're like, oh, we don't have that. And I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, it's going to go inside your leg, so... There yeah. wouldn't be anything we could number with anyway. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, those suck." Ah, uh, yeah. But if you've been, if you've had lots of surgeries and you've hurt yourself a lot, you know, pain is like it's an old friend, of course. And, and knowing that these injections that are gross are gonna uh, fix you, it's totally worth it.
1: Absolutely, man.
0: I got him in my face. You did. Mhm. What did that do? Nothing. I look old as fuck. But no, you it don't. It was a man. fun video. You don't, but it was so painful. But, Ten times worse than all the other ones combined, because it's just like over and over again they stab you, just keep stabbing you, injecting you with stem cells just all over your fucking face. You're like ah, you can't
1: escape it. And so, how many days did they do this for? Like all like-
0: injections are in one day. Nah, that's not true. Second time I went there, they did. Um, no, nah, they did. No, nah, they did my face one day. And then the next day they did both my ankles, both my knees, my wrist, and my shoulder.
1: And how long did it take to start feeling a difference?
0: It gets real sore the next day. You can't walk. I was in a wheelchair. Um, A month? That's incredible. Three weeks?
1: Yeah. Life-changing. Fuck you. Yeah. What do you think it is that we're not doing that level of stem cells in the States? Why?
0: Because painkiller companies don't want you to get the surgery because you'll be fixed. They, wanna, they want to the, give you the knee surgery or the shoulder surgery, and then you do the rehab, yep. and you pay everybody all the money, and you do the painkillers, and you do the, the whole thing versus potentially getting one needle, and
1: you're good. It's a never-ending cycle. It's like the same it's thing. It's bullshit. It is complete bullshit. It's the same thing I'm dealing with my MS, right? The number one medication for multiple sclerosis in the United States costs $250,000 a year. A year, right? Mind you, my MS treatment, right, for stem cells, five day therapy at the stem cell institute, twenty five thousand dollars.
0: Well, that's really good. That's cheap stem With cells.
1: Way better results. Yep. Well, there you go.
0: you you just answered your question. A hundred percent. Like they can get if they can get way more money, they're gonna do, they're gonna opt to get way more money.
1: Yeah, because they're gonna keep those people on that medication yeah. for the rest of their life. Yeah, they don't care what happens no not at all get money absolutely you know it's especially for the people listening that are going through a lot of similar type issues regardless if they're professional athletes or not um just hearing all the amazing results from stem cells it just blows my fucking mind away and and i hope that there's a true paradigm shift in the states uh sooner than later i mean yeah me too
0: i think it's bullshit i don't understand you know it's like uh You get it from the umbilical cord, and that's illegal. I'm like the people at at Bioaccelerator, they check the family, they check the grandparents and their grandparents, and then you know the the baby is born alive, and everyone's happy, and the fucking cord or with the placenta or whatever, they just take it. Yeah, nothing. It's not murder, you know. Like I feel like people think you you know if you get into stem cells, you're taking baby parts, but you're not. No, not at all. You know.
1: Not all, it's donated. Yeah, it's not even. And they get stolen. paid hundred percent. It's like everybody wins. It, it, it's a, it's a huge win, right? Um, and they had to find a match for you, correct? Too. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah probably. That's more bioaccelerator's
0: job, but yeah, yeah of course. Of yeah, course. it was a girl. It was a little girl. Wow. Yeah. They tell you, they show you the thing or whatever, which was trippy. It I was is. Like, oh wow, that's an actual human's. Umbilical cord, like that's her, and she gave me, you know, twenty more years of of playing like a jerk off.
1: <laughs> Pretty cool. It is really cool. Yeah. How did you get in because uh, earlier you said you got into MMA? How did that even come about? Uh well when I retired
0: well not reti- when I moved to LA, I tried to buy a house. In the money I had, I could only afford to live in Temecula. So I bought a house in Temecula and I would drive four hours to work every day. Uh, and there was a MMA gym in Temecula. It was Dan Henderson's gym, okay. Team Quest. And I just walked in. I didn't know. I just walked in. And the trainer for Team Quest, Ryan Parsons, knew me somehow from skateboarding and was we became friends and he was like, you should train with the pros. I was like, you think that's a good idea? He's like, yeah, oh, they <laughs> love you. It'd be great. And kind of embraced me and put me in a, in a, in a very, uh, uh, lucky situation where I got to be with all the good guys from the start. So as soon as I started training and hearing their stories of fighting and stuff, it was, you learn, I learned something every day there. And in skateboarding, I'd spent the last seven years, uh, losing stuff so yeah. it was the new bug it filled the the gap because i couldn't skate anymore i had to go to hollywood every day and mma was
1: i still got to test myself still push yourself and I, and I think that's important and i think a lot of people as they get older they they're they're lacking in that um you could just tend to give up you tend to get tired the stresses of life
0: you know and you're like man if it's gonna hurt i'll probably stop doing that I'm not trying to shit on anybody if that's what you want to do that's what you want to do but
1: I think I just know what I I know what
0: I need in my life and I need exercise I need to push myself I need to break out of you know big sweat and and get so into something that I don't know about the rest of the world for an hour or two a day
1: it's 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 imperative to the brain not only to the body right, right? especially as you get older it's so fucking imperative right. and if
0: you're temperamental like I, I mean i'm a potentially depressed person so it's part of my um like things that i need to do to stay level
1: yeah it, it's it's so funny because i'm sure you can relate to this it's like if you miss a workout or you miss two it's like i I I like, like kind of like start to beat myself up, right? right? You know, if it's the weekend, I'm doing stuff with the wife or whatever the fuck it is. It's like I beat myself up, and and I got this bug, you know, a few years back, and it's been a fucking game changer for me. And, it, and you train? It, um, well, I, I work out, you know, uh, religiously. Fucking how religiously. was that with
0: your multiple sclerosis? It's did I say it right? Yeah, you did. Okay, good job.
1: Um, it's so important. It's it's truly everything because. You know, so many people that are going through MS, um, especially as it starts to progress, their body starts to break down and yep. get weaker and weaker. And my whole mindset is I'm trying to make my body the strongest it possibly yep. can be and and take more of a holistic approach through, you know, ice baths and sauna. Shit uh, does amazing stuff. And Absolutely.
0: Probably the most out of any one thing that you can do to to help yourself. I think the ice bath is the is the is the one that I see the most results
1: absolutely you know better I- than
0: a massage or acupuncture or all that stuff. Just three minutes in there, freeze your ass
1: off. Freeze your ass off. And it's so crazy what your brain does in the beginning. You're like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know. In the beginning, in the, still does it. If, no, no. Well, I'm fucking saying hate going get, in there. I hate it. I hate this morning before I got in. I was working out. I did like an hour and a half workout, and I knew the entire time. Once I was done, I had to hop in the fucking ice bath, yeah. uh, the cold plunge, and I was just like, God damn it, because I have mine outside, Me and too. Um, so you know what it's like, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's already fucking cold outside especially if you're going in the fucking morning and then uh, just got this mental thing going on but then you get in and you're in there for 3 minutes and it goes by fucking quick. Yeah. But then when oh, you get out Not every time. Well, you know, but you know what I'm saying in retrospect 3 minutes yeah. is a blink of an eye. Yeah. But you get out and you just feel like you accomplished something so fucking yeah. hard and Yeah, I agree. And and my body just feels so much better than it did before. And so you know, regardless of people with MS I think working out, ice baths, all, all of these things are are just so important,
0: dude. You know what I can tell is I like I have an open relationship, so I'm on like Bumble and shit, and people pair up with me that are my age. And when you get to fifty, if you don't work out, your shit comes off, yes. dude. Hard, yes. And I'm, I, I, I freak out because I don't think I'm that fit because all my friends are super fit. But for my age, I'm really fit. Fuck yeah, and you know, are I look good. really young because some people's faces are... I'm like, what do you mean you're 49? <laughs> you look fucking... You look like you'd be my mom. Like, what happened to you? I'm like, I think it's when you get to 50, if you drink all the time, yeah. you're going to pay. If you smoke, you're going to pay. And if you don't work out, you're going to pay. Which That's is cool. also... you know, The 50s where you start to look old. But then you, if you make it to 70 and 80, if you worked out the whole time... You'll be able to live a life that's kind of similar to anybody else out there that has all their arms and limbs working. Yep, You can still do stuff. Yes, I feel like can. some people, oh, you know, I'm 50 now. I can't do anything. And then by the time they're 60, they're fucked. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you know, that's what it is when you're 60. But I disagree. I think you know mental, obviously the mental, because it does hurt more. It's harder to wake up. You know, I train and I wake up in the morning and I can barely walk. It's like, man, you need to call it a day but i don't i get in the cold plunge and i use some mental toughness where i'm like yeah yeah, yeah you are sore but you know you're not on fire you right. know it's not like that kind of pain so just sack up and then i find that it, it goes away and you you can do stuff that 30 year olds can
1: do That's what i find anyway dude i have to say when you said that you were 50 earlier I was like, mm. I, I was fucking blown away, right? Because you don't look like you're 50. Fuck you. Yeah, I mean, you look really good. It, it, and it's so funny. It's like when you're younger, you you like I remember being 16, 17, thinking 50 was old. But yeah. now it's like, especially like when when both of us were younger, 50 probably was old. Because if you look at a lot of the people back then, they weren't taking good care of themselves. They weren't. Doing they didn't the food know. They did not look know. Look at the
0: food pyramid. If you're that old, 100%. they're just suggesting that you eat butter and bread all fucking day. <laughs> it's like yeah
1: that and a couple of bees every night that'll fucking do it a hundred percent backed yeah. up with a couple of cigarettes and you're you're you're, yeah, you're rocking done and rolling yeah. but now you look at some of these people that are in their you know 50s 60s 70s they they look <laughs> incredible it's like a game changer yep. and 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 it's it doesn't matter if you have money or not we can all work out we can all yep. do these things we all can um you know Get a bucket and you know get some ice and throw it into a bucket and take an ice bath. Do do all of these things. I I know some of the other things can cost some money, but even just working out, mm-hmm. doing some hit exercise, doing whatever, just getting body moving. You don't even need moving. workout equipment. No, you don't. You Not at all. Fucking do some squats and jump around like an asshole. And you can go on YouTube, right? You can yeah. you can look up, you know, 30, 45 minute workouts and cat jack and people are in prison. A hundred percent. 100%. Got jack people are in solitary. Absolutely. And then push-ups, son. Push-ups and crunches. Push-ups, crunches, burpees, baby. All day yeah. fucking long. You know, and if if you can do that, it's a game changer especially it's just as you how get much older. you want it, man. 100%. You know, and I I have this like uh this acronym that I say all the time and I know I say it all the time on the podcast, but it's D-Bab. don't be a bitch. Um every single day when I'm wake up and I'm feeling like shit, I I just Remind myself, don't be a bitch. Just yeah. fucking do it. Push yourself through it. because Mine's than the fuck up. There you go. Same thing. I got it from a, a boxing coach. <laughs> that was a good one. Harden. I mean, it's the same exact thing, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Two sides of the same coin. Um. So you, you get into MMA, you do all of that. Uh, earlier, you said you're doing comedy. How the hell did that happen?
0: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the show is funny a lot i sometimes can be funny and then i have comedians on that would suggest that i do that and then i tried it about four years ago and just tried to go up on stage and say some funny stuff no plan and i was like oh man this is way harder than i thought and a little too much work for me i'm already a successful radio host i don't need this shit and then bowed out and i remember i did an interview with craig ferguson who him and i kind of liked each other in a weird where we don't really know each other that well, but he would have me on the show and he would come on my show and I, I care for him a lot. And I felt that he cared for me. It was weird. Cause like I said, we don't really know each other that well. Um, we're both sober. He's obviously a, a far more professional sober guy. He's totally sober. I'm, I still smoke weed and stuff. Um, but he made me promise him on his show off air to, not give up on doing stand up, and I was like, yeah, okay. And I never really got it, but it all, always stayed in my head. And then when the pandemic hit, and I got five from Sirius, I was like, well, you know, if you were gonna try one more thing before you cash out, because I have a heart condition and shit, I don't know how much longer I'll be alive. I was like, there, there it is. And then I've really tried. I went regularly and worked on a a set and did it enough. It's kind of like surfing. Like if you do it enough, you're like, ah, ah, okay. And then the nerves of it, the pressure of it, uh, it's exhilarating. There's a lot of pressure, ups and downs. You know, you're super high on doing well. You're super down because nobody laughed. It's like skateboarding. But when you do it wrong, you don't go to hospital. So I was like, this is... Something that gets the adrenaline going that I can do that isn't um, irresponsible because at this point to just find another sport where I can get hurt would just be stupid. So yeah, I'm I'm hooked. I want to be good at it, you know. And that's the other. I want to be good at it at the end. You know, I don't care about the rest.
1: I love that. How often do you uh, do you get out there and do it?
0: Whenever I'm asked, probably a couple of days a week depending on what's going on. I'm lining some more things up, so I'll probably start doing it even more. But I've been real busy. So staying up late and getting up early, I got to watch it. I'm smarter like that these days. If I start to burn out, I'm like, eh, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to go out tonight
1: because
0: yeah. I'll be shit tomorrow.
1: Isn't that kind of crazy? As you get older, you start to realize these things. You know, when you're younger, you think you're invincible.
0: Well, because you kind of are. Yeah,
1: I feel like I true. could go
0: up, it's stay true. up late and get up early and be
1: fine. So but true. now
0: I will not be. <laughs> I will so be trashed. <laughs> I look like I drank a bottle of whiskey and I'm like, what? Because I had four hours sleep. That's it. I know. And then the next day still fucked. I know. Like it's not just like one day of hardness. Yeah. So that's an easy choice. Yep. I want to be good, man. Yeah. I want to still do great things. I feel like I'm not done. I feel like I'm just heating up and to shit it away. This, this is not, it's not even a decision. I'm not doing that. I love that.
1: Um, what's your writing process like for comedy?
0: Pretty bad, I'm pretty <laughs> bad at writing jokes. I'm more of a storyteller cause I've lived a crazy life. I'm just more of how to master telling these stories that I've lived in a, in a way where there's constant laughs through it, you know? So, you know, I got little sections where it's funny and then there's a little bit more of a storytelling. I'm just trying to tighten it up. The more I go, the more I, Lose the the story part and, and hit the the jokes. yeah. But I've got something. I know I have. I'm new and you can't expect too much when you're new, but for how long I've been doing it, I'm good. I've I got love that. natural ability. I Those, love just that. like radio. Skateboarding, I was not naturally gifted at it. And I put in the work and I became top three in the world at one point. Damn. So to me, I see it as you put the drive in that you did in skateboarding into anything and you'll be good at it. And if you've got talent in it, like actual ability, on top of that, it's good for you.
1: Would you have thought at 50 years old you'd be trying new shit? I wouldn't have thought I'd be alive. I still
0: don't. I have a terrible opinion of my uh, lifeline. (coughs) (coughs) Which is why I drive so hard because I don't know if I'm going to be here tomorrow. So I try to do as much as I can while I'm here.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good philosophy for life, though.
0: Yeah, it's a bit pressure, a bit too much stress. I wish I could just be like, you're gonna be fine. But
1: yeah, but don't you think that's for a lot of people, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. Everyone's the same. Yeah. I remember when my dad died, and my brother died same year. I was so fucked. I'm like, nobody's just unlucky. And then I talked about it on the radio, and fucking tons of people called me talking about way worse shit. Yeah, I lost my brother, my sister, and my dad on the same fucking day, and I'm like, that's way worse than me. And he's like, I got to work. You know, we all go to work. We all do what we have to do, you know, you got to shake it. You know, I'm not it's the same thing. If I die, I don't want anybody that cares for me to fucking wreck their life because I died. No, If anything, excel in Absolutely. my name. So that's kind of what I try to do.
1: You know, there's that saying, the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. And I think that losing your, your, your father and your brother in, in the same year, that's fucking terrible for anyone. So mm. it's 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 a it's a shitty thing. But it was
0: a fire, you know, under my ass, because it was the end. You give up right here. Yeah, it could be all over right here. And I just don't. I am like, no, you know, my my for my brother. I am just not going out like that. You know, he wouldn't want it. I, I know he wouldn't want it. He want me to do the unbelievable. And that's what I'm doing. I'm doing stuff where every now and then I go, Stevie, if you could see me, can you fucking believe this shit? Because he wouldn't believe it. He'd be like, that's him. That's unbelievable. I'm like, I know. Happens to me all the time. Caught a wave the other day with Tony Hawk. Unbelievable. (laughs) But that's me. I always end up doing shit where I'm like, what the (laughs) fuck is happening right now? Whitney Cummings, like, when'd you do stand up for me? I'm like, okay, Whitney Cummings. You know? And then I'm like, Look at this! Can you believe this? It's fucking unbelievable.
1: It's inspirational, man. It's fucking cool. It's a good time. It is fucking cool. Um, to dial it back real quick, right? Uh oh. <laughs> you, you've said a couple times about your uh, issues with addiction. Um, how did that all come about? <laughs> How did my addiction come about? Yeah, I mean, because when we're all younger, a lot of us, when we're younger, we fuck around. And some of us take it this way, and some of us take it that way.
0: Uh, I mean, I feel like I was raised to party. To be successful is to party. If you get enough money, you can get like all the drugs, and you can party. A real winner has all the drugs and all the women. That's how I was raised, to think that to be the winner, that's what you would have. So... Um, getting some money from skateboarding, doing well in a contest. It's time to party. Yeah? And I grew up partying in a way where I think it took me such a long time to realize that the way I was raised to party was uh, excessive. I knew I went pretty hard, but I didn't realize how hard I went until I was addicted to everything. It was like, I didn't do it. I didn't know I was doing it. I just, you know, I don't know. One girl brought up how much Coke I did one night and I was like, really? She's like, You don't remember that? I'm like, I don't fucking remember any of those times. And she's like, Yeah, it was like a real the first line you did scared the fuck out of me because it was like a half a gram. And I was like, Yeah, I don't I don't remember. But we just went hard back then, you know? And you know, I was always running from from my childhood and Maybe subconsciously, it was more of a self-medicating thing so that I wouldn't have to face it. But I ended up taking so many drugs that I ended up remembering. It. An imaginary friend told me all about the abuse. And then the next day I woke up with it in there. So in a roundabout way, the drugs showed me. But I also feel like my body wouldn't let me know until I was older enough, old enough and strong enough to not kill myself. So, I think if I had known at a younger age, I probably would have killed myself. But by the time I knew, I was already living a pretty good life. You know, my girlfriend was a penthouse pet, and I was like the best skateboarder in Australia, and I got paid to skate, and I lived in America. It's like, you can't kill yourself now. No. You're on fire. So, and then by the time I was 40, then I found out even more stuff, which is even crazier to know that I lived 40 years on the planet without knowing certain things that happened. Yeah. so yeah they they uh they kind of shaped me you know i i don't uh, i survived it you know i excelled from it so i don't i don't feel sorry for myself for it at all i feel like i it helped me you know
1: yeah was there uh was there like a breaking point that just made it all crumble and what do you mean Like a point where the addiction got so bad that you're just like... Oh,
0: well, it depends on the drug. I would do one drug too far and then I would ace that. So I did heroin with when I moved back to Australia. It was back when I was pro and I went on a date with a trans girl and Tass Pappas saw it and then he came back to America and told everybody that I was gay and that made me go back to Australia because I just didn't want to go to a contest anymore with people asking me, is it true you're gay? And I'm like, no. Because yeah. I didn't even know what I was. And so I went back to Australia and I was bored out of my fucking mind because I I was getting paid to be a skateboarder and everybody in Australia had a job. So I would just spend days by myself just sitting around, get drunk, take ecstasy, get a hooker on the way home. <laughs> Hookers are into heroin. I'm like, let me have some of that. And smoked a little bit of it. They taught me how to chase the dragon. And then I started chasing, chasing the dragon in the parking lot after I get the prostitute. And then I ended up getting two and just saying, how about you guys inject me? And uh I was boning one of them while the other one injected me. And then I passed out and I woke up in a park freezing. And you know, this park, was like super fucking sketchy. Like you don't go there. You don't go there at lunchtime. <clears throat> and I was just up against this fucking pole, freezing my ass off. I woke up, so I probably almost died. Yeah. And they, weren't, they didn't call anybody to help me. And my wallet was empty. I got robbed, freezing cold, almost died. I was like, right, I'm not going to do heroin ever again. That was, uh, you could have died in so many ways. What the fuck? Happened to you Why I'd never thought That you would go there You know So that was the end Of that one And then I tried to Get back to America And I think Cocaine still existed In my life Because that was A party drug I didn't feel bad About that And then I think it got to the point Where I I like pulled All my Nose hairs out And The coke dealer I used to buy coke off He had a girlfriend Where He couldn't She couldn't Keep her tongue In her mouth She just it was like that, standing behind him all the time what? Yeah, because she did so much coke Her nose wouldn't work So she could only breathe through her mouth Oh man.
1: And she just looked like a panting dog
0: <laughs> And they told me I did too much coke And I was cut off And I was like, I'm cut off Look at her, she's panting like a dog yeah. So
1: was that the breaking
0: point? I was like, yeah, you should probably stop doing coke and then alcohol was a battle for many years after that sober a couple of times back on drink to the point where i do something where you know i was old enough to where I, you know i felt real bad you know, i wasn't mean i was just stupid you know i just do stuff where people were like dude that's so inappropriate you know like you tried to do this or you tried to do that i'm like fuck you know i'm i'm, I'm losing you know we're older We're talking about Going into business with each other, and but no one's going to go into business with Jason. He's, a, you know, I man, he fucking vomited on the carpet, and fucking had a conversation with the cat, and took his clothes off and danced on the balcony, and tried to make out with my wife. Like, not <laughs> all those things were. I felt really bad about them because I'm not a bad person. I, and it, it was embarrassing, so I really fought that. I went and did meetings and all that stuff and then it got to the point where i have a heart condition and the doctor's like if you drink you could probably uh have a heart attack and i was like oh that that makes it easy yeah so i never drank since
1: Ta da! it's kind of crazy because most people when they are going through addiction and they are faced with these things waking up you know, in the park or the panting dog or uh, the the heart condition, right? They just keep on going. Yeah. But for some reason, you're different. Why? Why is that? Because I, I know someone that is uh, dealing with with a heart condition right now, and they're telling him that he needs to quit smoking cigarettes, quit you know doing all the things that he's doing. And I thought in my mindset, like, okay, if that was me, that's an easy decision. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck that. Fuck the cigarettes, fuck mm. this, fuck that, right? But within a week, he's back to his, you know, same way. He's not cutting down on his food, all these things, and it's just, it's quite strange.
0: Uh, that's easy <clears throat> for me. My brother died when he was 24. We had his whole life. Yeah. It's gone. I'm going to uh, kill myself? Yeah. No. Like, not even close. I'm surprised that I don't have more things wrong with me from the, from the partying days. There's actually... Um, not from alcohol abuse. It's uh, hereditary. So Holy regardless, I was going to get it anyway. So it's not the drug's fault. But yeah, I really want to stay alive. I r- really want to do um way more. You know, like I feel like I've done a lot of stuff. It's all about me, and now I'm in a situation from being half a gay that I can help a lot of uh, straight gay people because they're all terrified and. I remember being terrified that you know somebody could find out who I am and I, I wouldn't even think about it long enough to know the correct answer. But I, I, I'm in a position where I can help somebody not kill themselves. So I definitely have a lot of work to do.
1: Yeah, you definitely do uh, because of being able to share your story and inspire people that are going through the same thing.
0: Yeah, because they are. Nobody knows because – if you're straight, you can't admit that you well, you know you get sucked off every now and then that's you know you gotta lose friends, who knows who might you know your parents all all kinds of shit could come down on you, so I'm just here to say that um that doesn't change anything in anybody who
1: you fuck why does why do you think that is a society like religion a hundred percent right it's where they got it from a hundred percent why is gay bad where'd you get that religion Why? Huh? because the bible says. Not saying religion's bad, just saying no. that's where it came from.
0: No. They're not; it's not all good for just, what they yeah.
1: did. <laughs> just like like anything, there's a lot of great stories and great things in yep. there, but there's also some fuck things. And, right?
0: and it's humans because there's a lot of rules in the Bible that people don't live by or care. You, know, you can only eat bacon. No one seems to care about that, but that was bad. It was. It's just the ones where you know I I get it. You know I was raised to be real straight too. It's weird. You know, sometimes I, uh, I make out with dudes. I'm like, man, this is so gay. <laughs> <laughs> but like, dude. Like- but I wanted to do it. I, I like doing it. It makes me happy.
1: And it doesn't hurt anybody. No, it doesn't. You know,
0: people are like, what about your kids? I'm like, yeah. What about them?
1: A hundred percent. They know
0: that you're, that dad makes out with guys? Yeah. Yeah. I, they, the guy wanted to. You know, I'm not a rapist. No. I'm just a guy that likes having sex with different people. The end. Uh, The more I talk about it, you can hate me if you want or you can switch the channel or whatever it is you want to do, but I just keep thinking about those people out there that are like me that are living in fear, and especially the young ones because when you're young, that's the time where you'd be like, you know what, maybe I should just kill myself because this is, this isn't right. Everyone is, you know, it's it's lonely. It's lonely than it is. It's just in your head. Yeah. But, you know, if someone's like, fuck, fag, it, it hurts me, you know? Yes. And if I was younger and less confident and had less less going for me and less responsibilities, why do I need to be here? Yeah, Because I've felt like that. So I feel like it's important for someone like me who is like a tough, straight guy, what well, people think I am anyway, that is like, yeah, I'll make out with dudes.
1: Dude. It's fine. My level of respect for you just went through the I, roof. I've never been happier, actually. You know, hearing the person that when people found out about you and your trans situation and you went back to Australia to kind of like hide. hmm
0: Terrible to, time.
1: To now being so fucking open about this. Mm-hmm. There are not many people out there that that are doing that.
0: Yeah, I know. And I can tell why it's uncomfortable still, you know, still sometimes people that I am friends with or look up to or like, man, you know, do you have to do that? And I'm like, I, and I'm not doing it to annoy you. No. It's just who I am. And I'm a, a exhibitionist. Yeah. So you put that on top of it, you're going to hear about me being gay.
1: Absolutely. But and it's for also all the people out there that are going through this same situation that are young and influenced by a lot of the I get at least one message
0: every day from somebody who's hiding. And they're like, You just make it easier for me. I told my wife the other day, you know, now I'm allowed to like hook up with a dude every couple of months or whatever. And And now he's happy.
1: Absolutely. And that builds that bond so much tighter between that, that husband and wife.
0: I've, I've each to their own as well. You know, if you want to be uh one-on-one until you die, it could, that's awesome. I, I'm a guy that uh, I'm, I'm not satisfied if I'm not, um, you know, pulling my dick out with a bunch of people. That's yeah. kind of who I am. And if you think that's gross, fair enough, but that's what I'm doing. It's what makes me happy. The more I do it, the happier I am in life. <laughs> And my wife, like you said, it's saying, yes, you can go over to that person's house. And then I come home and I'm like, I can't get it any better. You know, like yeah. my wife is hot and she loves me and we fuck whenever we want. But sometimes she's like, hey, go ahead, go see whatever. And yeah. I do. And and when I'm on my way there and on my way back, I think, you know, your wife knows yeah. And you're going to talk about it when you get home and you're not in trouble. This is, who would have thought that you could live such a great life? That's what I think.
1: No, you are blessed, my friend. I you really are, am. You are fucking Sometimes, blessed. Sometimes, like more than one person, like couple,
0: like four hot girls and then me. <laughs> I'm sorry. If you want to shit on that, go ahead. Yeah, but.
1: fuck them, man. Like, fuck them. It is cool. and and And, and for your wife to respect it. Be okay with it mm-hmm. to have open dialogue about it, yeah. And yeah, same with her to bone somebody, go for it, bone yeah, on absolutely. Was this, um, like set up in the beginning? Or Is this something that yeah. was,
0: yeah, when we first met, she was the one that made me come out. I mean, she didn't make me come out, but she helped me with all that because she uh asked me about trans girls. I had a, a calendar that a trans girl came on the show and gave me her calendar and had a bunch of trans girls. She's like, "You like trans girls?" I was like, "Uh, yeah." And I remember thinking, "Don't lie to this girl cuz I'm done with that. I've had two divorces because I was hiding parts of me." I'm like, "I'm not. You can leave if you want when I tell you this, but I'm going to be honest." And she was she didn't say that's okay. She said it's hot. Wow. And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> It's hard. She's like, yeah, would you like do that in front of me? I was like, if you want to be too, I guess. And then her friends and her showed me, they get, got me a grinder account. Yeah. And then a bunch of boys just want to come over and blow me and then say thank you and leave. <laughs> and I'm like, can you believe this shit? And at one point I she would hide in the dog crate and we put a little <laughs> this blanket over so you couldn't see in there because she didn't believe me. She's like, they just blow you, and then they leave, and they say thank you. I'm like, I swear that's what they do. So she would hide in the crate and watch it. It was a bit kinky like that.
1: <laughs> that's amazing, It man. really was. It was really cool. That Yeah, yeah. And and that, that makes your guys' relationship even tighter. Yeah. Yeah, we've been through a lot. Yeah, for sure. How long have you guys been together? Ten. Ten years. And you guys have a kid, right? I got two kids with my two ex. Two kids with your ex. Yeah. All right. For you right? Speaking about this and being so open about it, what was that switch that went off and like, how long ago was that?
0: Heart condition, being on the, on a bed with heart monitors and I don't believe in God. So, you know, at one point I was like, maybe my brother could hear me. If you can hear me, can you not take me? Like I, 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 I believe I'm, I'm not done. You know I mean, there's some stuff that I, I haven't got through. I can do something here that makes it better. So don't take me. And I've been there a couple times there where they shock your heart back in. You're fucking close to death, dude. Yeah. And I was like, because this is it. You know, this is the end for me. And then I thought about who I really am and that I I, I hit it because I didn't want anybody to bully me. And Now I'm dead. And I kept you happy, whoever the fuck this person is that doesn't approve of my sexual fucking lifestyle. And I just thought if I get back on my feet, I'm not going to answer to anybody anymore. You know, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And if you want to judge me, I got OnlyFans, I don't care. You can, well, man, you get fucking fuck by chicks on there. I'm like, yeah, I get fucked by anybody as long as I like them. Mm, you can take a video, you can fucking send it to your mom. I don't give a fuck. This <laughs> is my life. You know, yeah. I'm living the life that I makes me happy. And It's who I am. I'm a gay ex ex, ex what is it exhibitionist? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I like doing it. I don't care about the money. I don't care about any of it. When I'm gone, when it's like time to go, and I'm right there, about to fucking take my last breath. I I did me. Yeah, I did me where I wanted to. And I was good for this world. I didn't do anything bad. I put in more than I fucking took. I'm ready to go.
1: Dude, I wish more people would live their life like this, regardless of whatever the fuck it is. So many people wake up and live this just day in and day out grind of this facade of a life for whatever the reasons are society their family whatever it is but to have an individual that sits right across from me saying no fuck that i'm living my life on my own terms i don't give a fuck what anyone else says and i'm gonna share my story i shouldn't say i don't give a fuck well i just you do choose
0: what i want over uh giving a fuck
1: yes yeah
0: i'm not saying it doesn't hurt of course i wish i could make everybody happy you know i wish i was like a really good example for everybody and everybody be like look at him like He's always doing the right thing. But I know that it's not that popular to be by. It's not that popular to have your dick on the internet. Yeah. And I'm sorry that I've let people down. I really am. But this is who I am.
1: And and that's that's my point. Like when I say like you don't give a fuck, I know you do give a fuck. Right. But to have that mentality of I'm going to live my life on my own terms mm-hmm. and share my story along the You're way. You're not going to rob me. No. This is my one shot on planet Earth. You're going to rob me from from whatever I want to taste. Yeah.
0: I'm going to taste it all. (laughs) Let's
1: go. (laughs) Let's go, dude. All right. (laughs) Cheers, brother. Bring it in, man. Salute. As we start to wrap this up, man. Okay. What is... What's the future like? What are you currently working on? You know, I know you got the the podcast with Tony Hawk. Yeah. What is that experience like?
0: Uh, It's the best job I've ever had because it's my friend and I enjoy his company and we're recording it and trying to turn it into a big show. And I feel good about that too. I think that the show has a lot of potential. I think that in the next year or two, it'll probably be a pretty big podcast. So that's one thing, you know, to be successful, but it's also, even if it doesn't, it's, my friend that I've always looked up to, who's like an ambassador to the thing that I love the most. And he's just such a good guy. And I get to do a show with him (laughs) once a week, you know, and we do, we skate together and talk about old times. And he knows me from when I was a little kid and I know him from, I can't remember a day where I didn't. And it's just a Cinderella story. Really. That thing is, and then the Jason L show—that's my baby. I made that. I made that when nobody wanted it, and I turned it into a big thing. And now podcasting—I have to do it all over again. I have to reconvince everybody because we're nowhere near as big as we were. You know, I'm not in the Joe Rogan loop, loop, so I can't like get that much exposure. So I'm just plodding away and trying to trying to do my best, trying to make you know trying to make. It, a success story again that would, that would be the coolest thing to me because i feel like getting let go from serious was you know you're fucked now and i was like no i'm not i'll show you you know from skateboarding into radio and then you know i want to turn stand-up into my job i want to be um a successful comedian i want to travel the world doing comedy that's that's what i want
1: if anyone can do all of these things, I know you can. That's what I think. Just from hearing bits and pieces of your story, your, your tenacity to continue to push forward when adversity is pushed right on you right. is very inspiring. Um, the The setup for your podcast with Tony Hawk and your own personal uh, podcast, what is different about them?
0: Um, the Jason L. Show is a lot. It's a, it's a little more raw. Um, the topics are um, gross, offensive, childish. Um, there's no filter. There's no. Um, we're not touching that, you know. Unless it's politics, don't usually get into that. Unless you're bashing gays, then I'm in politics. Yeah, Some yeah. somehow people are like man, we keep the politics out of your show, and I'm like, are you talking about me talking about?
1: <laughs> it's so weird. Dude. Trans
0: people being accepted. <laughs> Cause I don't know why that's political, but I just feel like they're people yeah. and they deserve equal rights. That's it. That's the end of it. And give them a bonus. Stop making up shit about how their fucking kids are dressing up as cats and shitting in a sandbox at school. Stop making that story up. It's not real. Yeah. It's unfair that you're pumping that story out and making innocent dumb dums go real. Oh, that's what's going to happen. All the kids are going to be cats and shitting
1: sand. Yeah. Like, no, they're not. I remember when everyone thought that was real, and then you found out it was hey, fucking bullshit. So
0: fucking Joe Rogan say, a good friend of his. I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> and then like a week later, he's like, actually, yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 I'm like, man. At
1: yeah. least I can respect that he, recant, he brought it back, right? Because mo- sure. here's the thing. He, no, here's the thing, Did right? you said, he said, <laughs> I
0: don't want to do it on here. No, 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 no. It's, it's he totally said, fun.
1: my friend. I know. Her wife is a school
0: teacher. And she said, "So that that means that you have a friend, and his wife is saw a kid take a shit in a sandbox, <laughs> and then it turns out that it was bullshit." Yeah, yeah, but it's different when you go. I heard a person that has a that has a that's a teacher at school who yeah. said this. You're saying you got a personal friend, and their wife is dealing with kid shit. Yes, and then it turns out that's not true you're bullshitting you yeah. bullshitted to make it look bad for the community. That's how I see
1: it. was that based off of the trans community or yeah that's
0: uh it's because you you hate trans people because they're terrorists uh they um what are they doing they they do the kids because they drag queens they uh what is it they uh they train I forgot what the word is that they use Groom? But, Yes, they groom, they're grooming children to be gay. Yeah. Which is not true, but that's like a big thing that a lot of people say. Yeah, it is. So I think if you're dumb and you say that, then you, that's not your fault. But if you're smart and you say that, you're saying that so that the dumb people believe you and they are against trans people.
1: Yeah, I think that just because uh, a few people out there might do this one thing, that does not mean that a whole community is like that. In there anything, isn't even one in any community. I mean, I'm sure there are people <laughs> out there that are, you know, grooming people, you know, like yeah, but they're Catholic, not trans people, Catholic priests and shit like that. There you, you know, go. You know, which is,
0: so, which is
1: that's the other thing. Like It's <laughs> coming from people that actually do it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely.
0: Don't get me on that. That's, yeah. People are going to get mad at me. <laughs> it's all good.
1: It's all good. I just want everybody to have the same deal. I, I respect that, dude. I totally respect that. Um, so that's what your podcast is like. Mm. What about yours and Hawks?
0: Yeah, it's about uh friendship, skateboarding, obviously. Um I think it's inspirational because we're old people that won't stop and we're figuring out ways to continue living a um a full life, even in like Tony's going through, he's going to surgery tomorrow because his leg didn't attach. We're talking about a 54 year old guy that broke his femur and started skating like fucking three weeks after it. And now he has to go back in and get the bone, you know what I mean? Re-bolted. It's a lot, but he's not going to break. He did. I did a show with him this morning and, you know, he said, it's been really hard to know that he's going back in and, you know, who knows if his leg reattaches correctly and, Yeah, He could be done skateboarding for the rest of his life. Like he's facing that. I don't believe that's what's going to happen, but it makes sense that he would face that and he is willing to go in, get the surgery, do whatever it takes to heal it. And he, I believe that he will be back doing all the things that he did. Yeah. And when you do that, you show people that it's never over. So it's full of inspirations. You know, like I haven't skated for over a decade and I've just started skating in the last year or, or whatever. I'm learning you know, some of my old tricks again and and doing some heavy shit at 51. And, and people are like, man, you know, like I'm 45. I've got two kids. Seeing you guys on the ramp made me go get a skateboard again. It's like you don't have to start trying McTwist again, but no. you can go to the park and roll around with your kids or, you know, it's never over. And to get that joy back, because I feel like, like I was saying before, the word is out with, oh, I'm getting old. I should probably be more responsible. It's like I'm not saying you should like gamble your life savings at a roulette table. I'm saying you should go to the fucking ramp and still skate, yeah, at your level. Because losing your your childhood, is kids' shit. Kids have fun. I don't think about tomorrow. I'm skating. And I'm not thinking about taxes or fucking kids or fucking. You know, I'm just thinking about riding a skateboard with my friends, having a laugh. Uh, That's what it's one of the, if not the best thing that ever happened to me. And I'm not letting it go just because I'm older. You don't have to let it go. So I think the show is a lot about that because we're out there old as fuck, having a good time shredding, getting gnarly, a little too gnarly. sometimes.
1: (laughs) If you would have told me when I was younger to, to see a, a 54 year old, a 51 year old, doing some of the things that 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 you guys do seeing the things that tony hawkins still do it, it, it's just mind-boggling it doesn't yeah. make sense yeah but like you said it's inspirational yeah it truly is fucking inspirational because there is no then there is no limit right obviously as you get older things have to slow down you're not going as crazy but still to be able to push yourself it, it, it is it is all i can say is just inspirational
0: I feel like all the old guys that skate with each other are inspiring each other the whole time because it's a different vibe up there. Like when you skate now and you try something that you haven't done for a long time, everybody knows that you're putting a lot more risk. You know, you come up short in your 50s. It's not going to be like, man, I'm a bit sore from yesterday. (laughs) You're going to be fucked. Yes. So we're we're putting our lives on the line. But that's how life, like I'm... I'm it's, I've still got it. So, yeah, I'm gonna put it on the line. Yeah, it's like the ultimate, you can't beat it, you know. Yeah. Like, I did a kickflip in the other day, and I drove home, and Tony texts me because he wasn't there and he just heard about it. And he just texts me, dude. And I'm, I, I assumed it's because he found out. And he goes, When was the last time you made one of those? And I was like, Uh, the your debt, your tour, boom, boom, huck jam. And he goes, dude, that was twenty years ago. Jesus. So I hadn't done a kick for for twenty years. And it, once again, little <laughs> tears of joy on the way up the four oh five. You can't take that from me, you know? Like you can't match that to be fifty and to have that good of a feeling.
1: No. No. Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> fifty one busting a kick for That's yeah. fucking nuts, dude.
0: I'm gonna do a five forty too. And get <laughs> one more of those and then and then I'll probably hang that up because yeah, if that goes wrong, it really really hurt.
1: <laughs> you better get it on film though, bro. Oh, f- <laughs> uh,
0: multiple angles. Yes. trust me.
1: Let's go, bro. Yeah, we
0: know what we're doing out there. It ain't gonna. It's gonna be documented. Because like I said, I'm not doing. If you didn't get it, I'm not doing a second one. No, no, that was it. <sighs>
1: yeah. Shit, man. You're you're. Man. <sighs> You're good people's man. <laughs> you're fucking good people's. That's all I can say. You just uh, this conversation went completely. You're just you you're, you're a true inspiration to so many people out there. Being so open, real, and raw is does and, and will connect with all the people that listen to this episode. And it connected with me in a major way. Like it's never too late. Always yeah. continue to fucking push yourself and be open. Like be so fucking open.
0: It's a more enjoyable experience because I've been a closed-minded person who hated everybody. I mean, I hated people for their style in skateboarding, let alone your sexual preference. I hated everybody. I had hated people for their socks and then to let that go because I had insecurities, I had fears, and that's why I would tear people down. I've been angry. I've been the person that like sits by himself for hours at a time and everybody's scared to come over because I look like I'm going to tear someone's face off. I've been there. You know, I've been the tough guy. I've been the guy that's like, man, watch out for us? Who kick your fucking ass? It's fucking overrated. You know, like I'm not that tough. Uh, I'm scared too. And the more I say it, the more the weight lifts off me. And I want to be happy. I want to make people's lives happy. I don't want to make people's lives worse. And since I've gone down that road, my existence is more enjoyable. So... You know, I I've, I've been I've been homophobic in my life. You know, it's how I was raised. Now I'm accepting whether I was gay or not. I I want to accept my brothers and sisters for who they are. And because I've made that decision and worked on it because it doesn't just you don't just flick a switch and you're like, "I like everybody now." <laughs> That's not what happened. No. But the more I work on myself, the more I'm able to accept other people for what they do. And the happier I am just sta- just standing there. And that is so important, you know? Like, I feel like there was a time there where I was so dark that I wouldn't be able to enjoy the company of my children, you know? Because I'm, like, thinking about something that's annoying me. I'm stewing on it, how I'm going to get them back or something. And Now I'm like, hey, yeah, I am annoying. I Maybe that guy should have said that because I am, you know, get like a pink Jeep or something. Someone's like, fuck <laughs> your pink Jeep, homo. And I'm like, hey. It is pretty obnoxious. Yeah. Fair enough. I hope that guy has a good day. Instead of, where does this dude live? Wait till I fucking knock on his door. Then we'll see how fucking happy you'll be. Like, it's overrated. I've actually lived it. I didn't test it. I was a fucking mean guy who was dark and pissed all the time. And it's over fucking rated. It's terrible. And now I'm like, good for you, everybody kick ass it's a lot easier yeah yeah lost i feel like i'll probably live longer yeah because i'm not stressed about it
1: yeah a lot of people that have that pent-up anger and rage are just stressed about yeah, things because
0: i had it i was stressed it's and fine. it's their
1: own insecurities that's just yeah. what it comes that's down to yeah that's what i had yeah what do you what do you want your lasting legacy to be when you leave this earth what do you want people to remember you for
0: <clears throat> i made people laugh and uh, took their mind off their shitty day or something and then obviously with the lgbtq community that i did something i helped people kid wanted to off himself and decided not to because he heard what i was doing that will do that will be everything actually
1: i want to thank you so much for coming on the show thanks for having me mate it's it means everything and um where can people find your information, show, all uh, the stuff?
0: Uh, at Wolfmate on Instagram. At Alice Mate on Twitter. I don't know about going to Alice Mate on Twitter. I put stuff up. My dick's on there. <laughs> so maybe don't go there. But yeah, Instagram and then the Jason Ellis Show is available where all podcasts are available. Hawk versus Wolf, same deal. And then we both have Patreons, so... Uh patreon.com slash EllisMate for the Jason L show and Patreon.com slash Hulk versus Wolf for Tony and, and myself's show.
1: I love it, brother. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Have a good night, people. Boom! Come here, brother. You are fucking good people. you just hang it up right there. Just throw it